0: It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! What is up, everybody? Ears up, podcast. We are on a roll today. We have uh, the history of the Rivers of America traffic. Part three, which is, I would presume, would, would cap the series, the trifecta, the uh, the whatever, um, History of the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes by Taryn, and uh, she's like, it, "There's kind of not really a, like we." She was t- just starting the the research. She goes, "It's been kind of the same since 1956." So, uh, I don't know, but she's like, "I found ten pages." <laughs> I'm like, there oh you good. Go, man, Oof. everything I, has a story in Disneyland, and uh, even the canoes, which seemingly doesn't they don't they don't change. What are they going to do? You know, what I mean, it's not like you can get a
1: refurb. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I thought I'd have to talk more about Lobster Roll. We'd have to have Rob back on.
0: (laughs) That's right, yeah. (laughs) So uh, we got that going for us, which is nice. Taryn's going to join us later. But right now we have Rob from Bantha Milk Podcast to tell us a little bit about some Star Wars uh, news. I thought that'd be nice to get Rob in here and talk a little Star Wars because, uh, you know, everyone knows my uh, stance on Star Wars currently right now, is which uh, I'm ambivalent, ambivalent, ambivalent embezzlement i'm embezzling it <laughs> You're yes. embezzling um star wars <laughs> yeah so i feel like we should bring in rob to, to chat a little bit about the uh, star wars news rob what is up dude how are you good how are you buddy i'm good man give me a little rundown what's going on over on bantha milk what do you boys oh, up
2: to so we are doing uh two different versions of our show right now whoa yeah we're taking after ears up and ears up in depth where you did two different types of ears up shows we're doing uh, we still have the main show going on, which is a little harder to to come up with some content right now because, you know, our main show, we normally give you good rundowns of what happened on TV shows or movies that, that have gone, gone on uh, in Star Wars since Disney+. Yeah, and, uh, There hasn't been much going on recently, so it's a little difficult for us to do anything about that. Uh, but in the meantime, I was listening to this other podcast, which I really enjoyed, where they have two guests on and four questions. Everybody brings a question. I have a nice round table discussion. So I cool. pirate that. I stole that idea. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Who would do
1: such it? a
3: thing?
2: Who would, you? Who would do such a thing? So I stole that idea from them. And uh, we do the same thing. We have, But it's all Star Wars related. So uh, every two weeks or so, we have two guests on. And I have an, another friend of mine, Tom, who's been on the show, on my show, quite a few times. He's my uh, co-host for that. So Tom and I and then two other guests come on. We each, everybody brings a a question. We all debate them. And uh, sometimes we say who's got the best answer. Sometimes we just enjoy everybody's answers. Because if there's anything about Star Wars, you know, it's that everybody has their own opinion on everything dealing with Star Wars.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Impossible to say that. How dare (laughs) you say that?
2: So the show we just recorded actually was, uh, we just recorded it on Monday and it released, or I'm sorry, whatever i don't know when this is going out but it released on february 7th because neither february 7th yeah, neither do you yeah uh, february 7th was star wars podcast day um this it, one, it's like a real thing it's uh, it's a semi pseudo real thing yes it's been a real thing for a while i think it's been right? a real thing. this is okay. the fourth year of it 25 years ago three guys created the first star wars podcast even before they were called podcasts they were we're recording stuff and dumping them down onto uh AOL and all that good stuff that we had twenty five years ago, and they've been going strong ever since then so this uh other fellow was really proud of them and he said hey let's let's do a tribute show to them so he found as many Star Wars podcasts as he could to do a special show on February seventh, which is the day that the first one came out so there's 90 different Star Wars podcasts all involved in the Star Wars podcast day. So we were involved. We did one of our, I call it the Around the degeric Table, which is the table that Chewbacca plays chess on inside okay. of uh, the, the Millennium Falcon. Jeez, we know, Rob. Come on.
3: I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea.
2: Uh, you wouldn't you would know it if you saw it, but you probably didn't know that it was called a degeric Table. So I think he's like a baseball player. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Jarek Jeter. The Jarek Jeter. Yes. Yeah, he's right. a very good baseball player. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, so we, we do, we, that's what I, I call that version of the show. And this, on this Starburst podcast day, we had two very special guests on. We had this guy from this podcast called Puny Pod. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. Sounds so, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> we had Ryan uh, GH, G H R G H was on. He He was a great guest. And then we had this other guy from this YouTube channel. Called Screen Crush, which is uh, a pretty big YouTube channel. They have only you know 1.4 million followers. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we had Ryan Airy from Screen Crush on. He brought a question. We all answered. RGH brought a question. We all asked and answered, and it was a good time. So that one jo- dropped on February seventh. That's our latest episode. So if you are interested in wanting to know what any of those four people have to say on on four specific questions, <laughs> that drop sounds on good. The-
0: yeah and, you know i i like that uh that kind of format because it it sort of forces it forces a conversation where oftentimes you can get people who might not jive or you know there's some sort of like um you know a, a personality barrier or whatever but all this kind of forces your hand so i think it's cool man it's working out pretty fun yeah
2: yeah it's working out great that's our our sixth version of that and uh it looks Ryan, uh, when Ryan Airy came on he was like, Oh, I'm not used to this. I'm used to people just asking me questions. Not that I needed to bring my own. <laughs>
1: to the show. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> different. I bet it yeah. is a little different. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> that's it, fun. Was fun. it was cool. Uh, so we're doing that. We got a regular show, but, uh, one of the things we do on our regular show, uh, is we always have a little bit of star Wars news. So I figured I'd bring you some of our star Wars news so that the listeners here on the main show would know what to expect over on Bantamilk and, you can hear my sultry voice some more if you really want to check it out. So that's true. Yeah. What's going on in Star Wars world? Man? So, in Star Wars world, we got to have to start first with the, our uh, in memory, mem- in memory of, yeah. I forgot what the big word is. I can't say the, the you know, whatever. But memoriam. Uh, yeah, memoriam. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But old Carl Weathers. Um, yeah. May have known him as he was in Rocky as a bad guy and then a good guy. Uh, He fought an alligator in Happy Gilmore. We actually didn't see him fight the alligator, but we knew about it because he had a giant wooden hand instead of it. (laughs) He also fought an invisible alien and predator. But when it comes to Star Wars, he was our good friend Grief Karga from The Mandalorian. And uh, he had just recently passed away. So in memoriam of, where did it go? Of good old Carl Weathers. He was like in his. 70s and he looked great so Too young
0: man what happened yeah, he had you know kind of what a resurgence
2: from? yeah he did he was he was he was fun in the mandalorian i really enjoyed him and he had a yeah. even like the third season or the second the third season he uh wasn't a big part of it but he he definitely had like a good story arc where he was now like the mayor of a town or whatever and it was pretty cool so yeah so, yeah, so we're going to miss him. Also from The Mandalorian, Cara Dune was the character. She was, uh, she was like a fighter also in The Mandalorian. She was played by a person named Gina Corano.
0: Oh, man. Yeah.
2: So she got fired from Disney because she had some very uh, one-sided tweets that she posted that were not in agreement with the Disney philosophy of treating people and respect and all that stuff. So she got fired, and now she, it is official. Now, uh, after I don't know if you saw a couple months ago, Elon Musk tweeted something that anybody who got fired because they were, uh, you know, unjustly fired, reach out to me. And she tweeted back to him saying, hey well, "What about me? Those two people aren't perfect for each other. They are perfect <laughs> Just two just
0: utter dorks."
2: <laughs> so, needless to say, he's taking her up on that, and he is helping her sue Disney over her her uh, firing. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, first of
0: all, she couldn't have cared too much because she waited, what was that, five years? Yeah. Four years, something like that? She waited this long. And, you know, the other thing is, like, doesn't Elon have anything better to spend his money on? I mean, it's free advertising for, for Twitter, but it's like, you could really be helping people with this money that you're literally throwing away. You could actually <laughs> do a lot of good, but you just, you want to be this weird dork and, and, and yeah, whatever. Good for them, man. I hope, I look forward to <laughs> years and years of, of uh, online commentary about how free speech isn't free and uh, how everybody should get to do whatever they want. Yeah, well, she can say whatever
2: she wants. She just can't work for Disney anymore for saying it.
0: This is the thing about free speech and the whole, you know, thing. It's like you can say whatever you want. It doesn't mean there's not consequences for it. Yeah, them. exactly. So she said some things. There were consequences. Okay. But you could still say it. You said it. You said it. There you go. Now you're free to say it even more.
2: Yeah, you can say it even more now because you don't have to worry about Disney telling you otherwise. Right. All right. Well, good luck to them. I, yeah, I good luck, luck to them. look forward to following this. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We have a couple new movie updates and then also a new TV series update. And then that's the end of my news and you can get on to the normal Disney stuff here. Disney finally released that they're, they're coming out with some new movies. The, the first movie to come out is the, speaking of The Mandalorian, is a movie now called Mandalorian and Grogu, which is first some, to come out sometime in 2026. What, um, such a creative name. What a good name. That it sounds awesome, like a, like, yeah, just, you know, it's like a buddy. Like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. like, Turner and Hooch. <laughs> that's, what, that's exactly <laughs> what I wrote down on my notes was it sounds like Turner and Hooch, like a buddy cop film. Like what's going on? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't eat that. That's evidence. <laughs> <laughs> As a frog's hanging out of his yeah. <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Disney CEO Bob Iger has confirmed that the Mandalorian and Grogu will be the next Star Wars movie to release, launching a new wave of films. Uh, The Mandalorian was the flagship show on Disney Plus with the first episode premiering, blah, 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 with its re-launch five years ago. So these are the other movies that are supposed to be coming out. And we all know, you, you guys have discussed this numerous times, Disney says all these things and then things never happen. And it's, it happens with Star Wars as well. We've had so many different movies that were supposed to come out that we haven't seen and they get scrubbed and whatever, but... It looks like at least three of these are legitimate. So we got the Mandalorian and Grogu movie, which is directed by Jon Favreau. So that's definitely in the works. We have Ray's new Jedi Order movie, which we don't know the title of that yet. Uh, That's also definitely in the works. And I can't say the lady's name who's directing it. Charmaine uh, Obichinoi? I'm I'm probably butchering something along those lines. She has gone out and, and they were talking about how it's not going to be a girl power movie, even though it's a girl director and a girl lead and all this stuff, but it is going to be a very good movie. So that's our second movie. Dawn of the Jedi is the third movie that they have uh, scripted for right now that they're working on. Uh, that will be directed by James Mangold. And then <laughs> this is what I love about uh, you know when they plan movies so far out. The Mandalorian era climax movie is just what they have it listed. Whoa, at now.
1: That's spicy. Super, that's adults only super secret code name,
2: super yeah. secret code name. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that one will be directed by Dave Filoni in in, in the next few years or so. So they're trying to get back into movies again. And everybody says they haven't done a movie since solo. Uh, and then also episode nine, they came out like relatively close to each other. Yeah. Everywhere you read, solo was a flop. Solo was a flop, and I was like, okay, why exactly was solo a flop? Oh, I can tell you. Uh,
0: I mean, other, <laughs> other than aside from that one
2: line, yeah. Inside, the aside one from
0: line. most everything about it, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and what is your last name? I don't have one. Okay, solo it is. Yeah, I'm by myself, not alone. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Han alone. Han, because I was alone. <laughs>
2: There's nobody standing next to me.
0: My last name is Party of Three because I had three (laughs) people in my party.
2: There were two other people with... (laughs) Solo grossed $330 million in the domestic box office. Or I'm sorry, take that back. It grossed $257 million in the domestic box office. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. But apparently it was one of the most expensive movies ever made. And it would cost over $330 million to make. So because of that, it lost $73 million, which is why the word flop has been stamped onto this movie because it lost $73 million after making $257 million. That's the business, baby. That's the business. So so that movie scared off Disney from their state. Oh, maybe we uh, saturated too much and people didn't want to go every year to see a a Star Wars movie. So they stopped doing it for a little while. Uh, And now they're trying to come back again. The next lowest grossing movie actually made $281 million was The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it grossed $603 million at the, the, at the domestic box office on a budget of $322 million. So there's a big jump between the worst grossing movie and the worst <laughs> grossing movie. Wow. Well,
0: and you can sort of tell how like the, the vibe because I don't remember toys from that movie, from Solo. You yeah, don't, I don't remember a single thing. I mean, maybe like the first initial wave for promo, but that was it.
1: Yeah, I got a button at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there
0: you go. That's it. You can remember a solo? I mean, it, it was it was it wasn't only just that line. It was the the guy was like a little too weird. I did not like Donald Glover's acting choices. That, yeah, I just everything about it I didn't like. I just I was thoroughly disappointed from
2: uh, you know soup to nuts, as they say. As they say, yes. I don't know. Well, maybe these will be good. Who knows? Who knows? So hopefully, hopefully these next movies will redeem themselves or redeem the Star Wars franchise. And they'll, I mean, with the title of Mandalorian and Grogu, how can you go wrong?
0: You can't really. The merch just prints itself at that point. The t-shirts just are like this. Is, I mean, we, we are, the, the further we get down the, the, the Star Wars content, we literally are just living in the Spaceballs movie. Right. (laughs) It's Mandalorian and Grogu, the merchandise. That's what it's going to be at one point. I swear to God, that's where we're going to go.
1: They can just stamp the movie's name on most of the merchandise they already have these days. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's just just throw that over top of, you know, what they have and and call it a day. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to talk about is starting on February 21st is uh, the Bad Batch season three will premiere. And it's the last season of the Bad Batch. Um The Bad Batch is an animated series. It's I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed into yeah. season, season 2 got really good. Season 1 in the beginning was a little slow, but then Season 2 was really really good. So it's five clones that have all been altered somehow. So each one of the clones are drastically different than the normal clones that you see hmm. um like and show. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh like this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> and uh One of the clones is actually a girl. Uh, She's a a child as well. Just like
0: this show. Weird.
2: Just like this show. We have one (laughs) girl clone on this show. Um, And at the end, I don't want too many spoilers, but at the end of season two, there was a big cliffhanger dealing with the girl and stuff. And uh, so now season three is going to pick up right after that. And we're going to see different things. Now, of course, since it's Star Wars, everybody has theories as to what's going to happen. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) There were um, three different trailers that came out. They were all really good. They didn't really tell you much. There was a couple of characters that you saw a little bit, and people were like, oh, who's this and who's that? So I'm not going to go this. this. I have an article here from Screen Rant of eight Star Wars theories explained. I'm not going to go into all eight. I just want to go to the first two, or just two of them, I should say. Okay, Asajj Ventress uh, is going to be in it, and she comes on the path of becoming a Jedi again. She was really cool bad guy in the original Clone Wars animated series. Very popular for the people who enjoyed the Clone Wars. She was a very popular character. So the fact that they're bringing her back and you see her in the trailer is letting everybody know that she is back and whatever. Um, So that will be pretty exciting because she was once an aspiring Sith apprentice, but at the end of her arc in Star Wars, the Clone Wars saw her starting a new life as a bounty hunter. So now we're going to see her Again, uh, here in the Bad Batch. At the very end of season two, we also saw that there was another girl. Uh, and then we also see Boba Fett, a young Boba Fett clone as well. Oh, all these clones are all off of Jango Fett. So um, we're going to see Boba Fett uh, and then the two girls uh, all together. And then last but not least, last one that I wanted to... There was a, a, one of the characters, Crosshairs. Was one of the main characters in it, but then he turns bad and blah blah blah. Whatever thing is that he he's probably going to come back and get a a good um, story arc or redemption arc coming back, which will be awesome because it'll definitely put a nice pretty little bow on the end of this series with everybody (laughs) back together again and everybody happy. I love bows. Okay, I'm excited for that. The season two was really really good, so I'm sure season three is going to be even better. And since it's the finale, the final season. I'm sure that guy Dave Filoni really did some good writing in here to make it, uh, make it phenomenal. So, oh, I'm sure a lot of people don't like the cartoons because they go, Oh, I don't watch cartoons, but you really should because a lot of them have great stories to them and Bad Batch is one of them. So, there you go. I'm here to say, watch it. I agree. Yeah, I agree with Rob, dude. Do it. Whatever. Very good, Rob. Well, thank you. So, if you like that, you know, like listening to me talk, check me out over there on that other one. Like Star Wars, that, that other one got it all, you guys. That other one's got it all. That bantam Milk show over there, we got it all. So that's it. It's late for go. me.
0: Yeah, so. go to bed, man. Get out of <laughs> go. You got to teach the youth of tomorrow.
2: I do. Yeah. That I do. Yes. All so. right, brother. Take well, thank easy, you. Man. Thank you for letting me come on. Of course. Thank have you. Have a great night. And all right,
0: buddy. A- Bye. Bye, Bye. Hey, Rob. All right, well, that was cool. A little Star Wars action. On the, yeah. On the young Thursday evening. You know what I mean?
4: Young Thursday evening? Yeah, I
0: don't know. Sure, whatever, dude. Who cares? I'm like overheating because I made some tea. I'm like boiling right now, but what are you going to do? If Look, if all that Star Wars talk hyped you up and you want to go visit Star Wars in person, well, you can't, but you sort of can't. Go to the parks. (laughs) And the way to do that is through Concierge. You go to concierge.com, book uh, a trip with them. They will plan everything for you free of charge, whatever. And then you can go and live out your fantasies on the Millennial Falcon and uh, you say the seats aren't comfortable enough and ask for the manager all the time. And then... Um, you know, say, oh, I can't really, um, you know, drive this. It's really too hard. Uh, I want my money back, and you know, just, com- just generally be a millennial.
1: Oh, oh, okay, okay. That's my joke, yeah. Okay.
0: I get that. Um, anyway, you know, go to concierge. They're good people. They help you plan your vacations. They take all the worry out of planning. You don't have to book uh the stupid uh ho- um, hotel reservations or park reservations or uh anything, whatever. You don't got to do anything. You Just give them your card and say, this is this, this is when I want to go, and they go, okay. And then they make you go. They they take you with they piggyback you, ride you. As a matter of fact, it's they an will option. go through. Yeah, they will go through. Pay a little bit extra, not much, just a little bit, and uh, you ride on someone's back all day. <laughs> a little sweaty, That's but not
4: exactly how it works. There's a
0: moisture barrier. What do you know?
4: Well, um, what do you know?
0: I, I got the ad copy. It's what they wrote to me. I okay. don't know what to say.
4: Sweaty backs.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a the moisture barrier. So like I said, right. so you wrap them in, it's a whole thing. I'll show you the, I'll show you the images. Can't wait. Anyway, ConstanceEars.com. They are official travel partner and they can be yours too. So check them out. Hi, Taryn. Hi. We're going to talk some river traffic. Yes. All right. Once
4: again, I'm back for river traffic. Nice.
0: And then we'll do that. And Eric has something to talk to us about. I don't know what. Are, right. are you eating again, Eric? I am. I am eating again. Nice. Lovely. Gotta love it. So we'll do that after the break. Um, but for now, Taryn.
4: Continuing on our journey through the rivers of America, today I'm bringing you the third and final part of our river traffic series. Um, A few episodes back, we talked at length about the history of the Mark Twain Riverboat and then the sailing ship Columbia. And now we've made our way to the northernmost dock on the western bank of the river to Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes. To understand the full history of the canoes, you first have to learn about the Indian Village at Disneyland, which has a vast history that I'll only touch on here, but we'll save the myriad of details for another dedicated show because there are plenty of details for an entire show. The original Indian Village at Disneyland opened in 1955 in Frontierland and showcased American Indians and their culture. Now, by today's standards, this entire area might feel somewhat... Inappropriate or at the very least cringy. But television westerns featuring cowboys and Indians were such huge hits in the 1950s that this kind of depiction was just standard. And in order to understand Disneyland's village, you really do need to filter your opinion through what was acceptable in the mid 20th century. So when I look at photos of Indian village, I am instantly uncomfortable.
0: I was going to say, feeling right at home. No. <laughs> no this makes sense to me this is comforting it's like no. it's like mom's mac and cheese it's, just some casual racism it's fine
4: yeah it just it feels like i shouldn't it feels like something that probably shouldn't have happened i mean like it, is it okay that they only hired native americans i don't know is it yes. okay that they're showcasing sacred dances and practices i don't know um it instantly feels to me like something that shouldn't be on display at a corporate park that makes money
0: i that's- think it's cool i thought it was always cool when i heard that i mean if- because that's what they're doing they're 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 there to show the culture but it does feel like the performative nature was a little exploitative
4: well and i really want to get into this when we do an actual indian village show but y- you're yeah. right i think went through a lot of reddit posts about indian village and yeah. and the re- the reality is that they really did do a good job they i mean the think- best they could but there are so many different tribes there are so many different things it's kind of like the polynesian moana problem where it's like yeah if you can't show all of it maybe don't try and show any of it plus you're also making a huge profit on culture and you're kind of i, I mean i get into it a little bit but you're you're kind of giving the like whoop-de-doo happy version of of what history was well, that's all anybody wants
1: there's there's one of two westerns the the fun the fun song and dance ones or the shoot 'em up ones and it's it's white guys versus darker skinned guys or really tanned white guys.
0: Yeah, that's what it's 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 usually Italians playing. There you go. And that's just kind of how it, it's been for for decades until, you know, relatively recently, I would imagine in cinema history. But, you know, I, yeah. Anyway, we'll, like you said, we'll get into it later. Yeah. But, uh,
4: There's a lot to talk about with Indian Village. Yeah. Um, this is only just a, such a small portion of it. But Disneyland and its patrons at the time really did consider this area authentic and respectful. So much so that a year later in 1956, for $100,000, the entire Indian village was picked up and moved to essentially where Splash Mountain and Critter Country currently exist.
0: Oh, good. Not problematic at all. That whole unproblematic <laughs> well, that,
4: area. That didn't exist yet.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, but still, it's almost like the movie Poltergeist, where
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that probably why. is yeah. always going to be a problem. Yes, that's yeah. probably
0: why <laughs> Splash Mountain just didn't really didn't didn't work eventually yeah. where like the racism <laughs> just the caught up with cold, everybody cold yeah. Race, yeah yeah they're racist he's <laughs> yeah. like yeah. person on the yeah on the tv i don't know on the the the, the picture tv with the pictures. never mind go ahead <laughs>
4: Uh, this expanded area included larger demonstration areas and a greater seating capacity at the dance circle. According to a former Native American chief. This is ooh. very
0: funny phrasing to me. A larger seat, bigger seating at the dance circle, the Indian dance <laughs> circle. I don't yeah. know why.
4: According to a former Native American chief who worked in this expanded Indian village in the late uh, 50s, Disney actually did a pretty good job of featuring various tribes and traditions of Native American culture, and it was truly seen as a place to learn and experience the culture of early America. That said, it's pretty obvious from today's lens that the whole history of early America wasn't quite complete in this depiction, and it certainly has kind of a rose-colored glasses viewpoint.
0: Yeah, like halfway through each showing, Walt should come and be like, oh, I know we told you you could stay here, but But you you can't. can't. We're going to take half your land and cough on you. Well,
4: and some people kind of made that note where like in order to get to the Indian village, you had to actually like right past Haunted Mansion back then there was a tunnel. So it wasn't open, and you had to walk through this tunnel. And when you got to the other side of the tunnel, that was Indian Village. Hmm. So they took it from, like, in front of what used to be Aunt Jemima's pancake house. Again, that's where another (laughs) problematic thing. So that's where it originally was. And they picked it up and moved the Indians back to the back of the park. And it's the only place, it was the only place in the park where you had to walk through dirt. Essentially, like a dirt path to get there. Everywhere else was
1: paved, and paved, it, yeah. so the, you, you're passing under the train, right? That's the tunnel. I would guess. The
4: tra- I don't. I don't know well, that. It for might fact, be in
1: front but, of the train, but why no, else would they have a like, tunnel?
4: I think it was. I think the berm was kind of there at the time. I mean, I think. Or, I don't know.
0: Look, at at one point, because the Indian village was in like frontier land or whatever. I think, right? Is it frontier yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then so they moved it. And the only place they probably had, they couldn't imagine putting a village in tomorrowland Mm -hmm. so it's the only place they had so like absolutely you know there's a lot of people who want to be sensitive about it because they've you know feel good about it um but factually that's where they could go i'm I'm sure there was nothing like walt wouldn't want to banish people he's paying for to a part of the park nobody wants to go to right so he's trying to
1: expand like yeah
0: yeah right
4: i'm not saying any of it was done on purpose and i'm not saying i'm not saying you are but
0: but i thought like no. the the vibe i got from people online like you were saying was like that's weird but
4: it is weird though i mean from that's what i mean from today's lens you can you can read a lot into this and you yeah. can find a lot of parallels into what really happened to the indians and what happened to them at disneyland and that's they're not at, it's not true but it can be a discussion to be had and it's sure. sort of it, there's a lot okay. in indian village it's a, it's an interesting interesting place yeah there were signs around indian village depicting how parts of the village represented different indian nations and how the structures like the teepees would have been used and some of these examples include quote unquote this is an authentic reproduction of a typical encampment of plains indians and their way of life during the years when the white man first entered the vast indian territory of the west that was one of the signs another one the teepees are decorated with symbols and figures telling of important family and tribal events or great battles. So they they it was almost like a museum, like a living museum. Uh huh, yeah, sure. That's kind of how that was the idea behind behind it, which they actually did a good job. It's just it would never fly today. Uh, This area of the park was made up of only Native American cast members who were encouraged to share their cultures with park guests. They showcased ceremonial dances and craft demonstrations, all of which were completely genuine. One cast member in Indian Village, Chief Whitehorse, uh, was the last fluent speaker of the Otoa Zoria language. And throughout his life, including his tenure at Disneyland, He did much to preserve and pass along his knowledge, history, traditions, and language. Now, Disney did do a good job of creating an immersive and educational atmosphere for American Indian culture. However, a lot of it would have never flown in today's world. And aside from the sheer vastness of various Native American cultures being crammed into a small area with a few generalized traditions being featured, there was also verbiage that wouldn't make the cut today. And I don't know how bad these are so i don't know if i should say them out loud but the bathrooms yes, you should say them the bathrooms were separated into men and women and the men's had a sign that said for braves yeah. and the women's bathroom was for squaws okay and those are both racial slurs today um squaw- uh, what really yeah how in, in reference to native americans
1: they're, they're just such generic terms from from western movies. Yeah, so that's why they're using these. It's another example of things that were fine then, but huh. you sure shouldn't yeah. do it because it's probably maybe maybe there was a tribe that that called their people suchly, but mm, we sure didn't know in the fifties and I don't know today, so I can't speak yeah, okay. to an it right, right.
4: and squaws. I looked it up and that, that was the one I was nervous about. It's it, it's translates to like loose woman. Nice. <laughs> hmm. but it also refers to Native American women. So I can see how that became, became a slur.
1: Wait, is that like an English term for loose women?
4: I don't know. I didn't really dive too deep into that. Um, huh. But yeah, so there were things, there were some words around that, were, that wouldn't fly today. And that's kind of the point.
0: Okay, yeah, 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 okay. Uh,
4: similarly, the canoes attraction in Indian Village were called Indian War Canoes. And when you set out on the river in your shared canoe, you and your boatmates were considered the war party. Now, again, not what we would call necessarily politically correct. Now, beyond the questionable naming of the attraction, the canoes were a popular staple in the early days of Disneyland. The original 1956 Indian War canoes had actual small engines that supplemented guest rowing. And they were built by a mysterious company in Maine. And I say mysterious. Because there seems to be absolutely zero record of who built these canoes. And after um, a way too deep of a dive into this, I personally have narrowed it down to a few potential candidates. The Dolphin Craft Boat and Canoe Company, Howe Fur Company, Dibago Boat and Canoe Company, or the Shorty Built Boat and Canoe Company. And all of these Maine-based companies were actively building custom canoes in the 1950s. But as many of them are no longer around, there is no documentation claiming if any of these companies were actually contracted by Disney.
1: How big was the call for custom-built canoes in the 50s? Apparently four companies were. To be were...
4: quite honest, the list I found of companies only in Maine uh, from the 1800s to today was like 80 long. 80 companies long. I mean, I had no idea so many canoes were being made.
0: Oh, sure. Well, they call the 50s the decade of the canoe.
4: <laughs> you would so,
0: you know, can you believe it? <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, not really. So the paddles, whose design and production is also not documented, were, by my research, very likely made by the specialty oar and paddle company Shaw and Tenny, who later provided period specific oars to the Canada Pavilion at Epcot. I do. I did find that out.
0: Okay, well, there you go, And man. they
4: were still around. They were around when the canoes first came about. So that's my guess is that they provided these paddles.
0: Look at you, man. Important internet sleuthing.
4: Really, really trying here.
0: Yeah, you're doing good. <laughs> the wood was grown from trees. Now, trees really started populating the earth after the meteorite <laughs> yeah. hit wiped the dinosaurs because before it was a fungal thing. So that's why...
4: Yeah. Look, there's not a lot of history on no, the canoes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, these original boats were not made nor designed by Disney. That part I do know. This is unique for Disneyland to have an attraction vehicle not actually designed and made by them. But I suspect that this actually probably has something to do with their desire to have the canoes be as authentic to Native American culture as possible. Which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. If that's accurate and true.
0: Sure. Let's say it is, man. We'll say Why not? Like history is written by the winners. So, right. you know, it's clear that Disney company's winning today so they can say whatever they want.
4: Right. Uh, so over the next 15 years, Disneyland went through a lot of changes, notably for this area of the park was the opening of New Orleans Square in 1966 then Pirates of the Caribbean in 1967, and the Haunted Mansion in 1969. And soon after the completion of these major attractions, guests became less interested in the Indian village. Other challenges began to arise as well, stemming from social unrest in the late 1960s. Disneyland has vaguely documented the issues that arose as, quote-unquote, labor problems with the Native American performers. (laughs) These labor problems. Typical, (laughs)
0: you know? Come on.
4: These labor problems, along with the increasingly reduced interest in the area by guests who were now more interested in spacemen and aliens, led Disney to officially close the Indian Village in October 1971. A year later, in 1972, the Indian Village area of the park was completely overhauled and reopened as fair country, which actually became its own land. So it was no longer part of Frontierland. It was now its own thing. This new land showcased the exciting stage attraction. Country Bear Jamboree, of course. And luckily, the Indian War Canoes attraction were a part of the former Indian Village that had remained popular, so this attraction also remained. It was renamed, however, to Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes, which matched the more country living theme that rather than the Native Americans. And yeah. these canoes were now piloted by frontiersmen and women donning Davy Crockett's famous coonskin caps. Which is very
0: emblematic of sort of what happened to the Native Americans anyways, right? They were here. This is what I'm saying. They got, they got, oh, no. they got, they were built around. Then they're like, hey, we got some land way off here. You guys go there. And then eventually they just poof. Labor they're gone. And then now we have the frontiersmen who conquered the evil red man. Exactly. And, and then we're going to drive around in their canoes. We've there got we your go. boats. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. We'll take oh, over.
4: No. We got it from here. Yeah. And yeah, basically, uh, the canoes no longer had any kind of engine and they were 100% guest powered. These are made from fiber class and they have an air ballast tank under the bottom, which protects the canoe from tipping and making it mostly unsinkable. Each boat is 35 feet long, which is about 10 to 15 feet longer than traditional canoes and weighs one ton, which is 2000 pounds. Jeez. And that's empty. I would hope so.
1: <laughs> First of all, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And it's fiberglass. Holy cow.
4: Yeah. This is what I don't, I don't. The get.
1: ballast underneath must be it super heavy. Must be, I guess. Yeah.
0: Keep it up. So it's just oh, air. Yeah. I
4: don't really, I don't know. I don't get the whole thing. I tried to look up ballast and I don't, I did. I can understand a water, a hydro ballast, but I couldn't understand an air ballast because I'm like, it's just, it's air. Just
0: empty space. I just guess. Yeah. It's
4: empty space. Like you're not pushing more air in there. So I don't know. I got a little confused by that, so I didn't go into detail. Yeah. Each canoe has 10 rows and can carry 20 passengers each, along with two cast members, one at the front and one at the rear. There is no height requirement for Davy Crockett's Explorer canoes, although small children and those who announce that they cannot swim will need to wear life vests. This attraction. <laughs> <laughs> so if you say you can't swim, guess what? <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: This attraction is seasonal and has limited hours. You cannot ride the canoes in the rain or most of the winter months, and it does close at night. So because of this, if you see it open during your trip, I suggest you go on it. And while the schedule is generally available at City Hall, you never really know when it's going to be open. Just do it. Now, what's kind of neat is that the canoes that reopened in 1971 in Bear Country are the same ones that we see today. While the actual boats have, of course, been upkept over the years, the actual traction is virtually exactly the same. Again, there is no actual documentation on who made these canoes. However, I did find some evidence. That a man named Henry Valencourt, a canoe maker since 1965 out of New Hampshire, claimed on his About Me page that one of his clients was Michael Eisner. Now, I know that mm. that timing doesn't exactly <laughs> match up, but I, would, I do believe that he made some sort of canoe for Disneyland at some point. Oh, sure. so
0: Sounds like it. Or Michael Eisner just had one made. For him, for his his personal personal pond,
4: (laughs) Because it didn't say Disney, it just said Michael Eisner, so that could also be it. But I like to speculate that he may have something to do with the current boats that are in use today. Now, on the other hand, in the video, which um, Jason's going to play in a second, a Disney cast member remarks about obtaining the canoe from, quote unquote, the staff shop which then suggests that the vessel is made in-house. But there's also, there's nobody's talking about this. So while the boats may or may not be made by Disney, they are in fact painted by Disney. And the intricate designs that are seen on the front and back ends of each canoe and the rustic wood-like look to each canoe is created by Disney cast members using specialized techniques. Oh, go great. ahead and play the video. Sorry. Oh,
3: okay. he's <laughs> like, yeah, it's, that's really great, dude. We're at the warehouse working on the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes. Check out the process. As it comes in our shop, we get it from the staff shop from there. We'll start the process of laying it in and doing all the theming. The technique would be a spatter and then dragging the spatter to give the appearance of like a check mark on a birch bark. There's washes involved that go to kind of bring down the tone down a little bit. We use a textured paint for the seams. The gunnels are done sort of like a wood grain type of technique using brushes, water-based paint, stitches, and all that is done basically with a lane color and then we do a wet blend with a shadow and a highlight after a couple weeks the canoe's complete it feels great to see the team finish the project for all the people in the park to enjoy
0: yes it does
1: (laughs) those were a lot of terms did you get all of them
0: (laughs) it was very special but yeah for those of you listening um uh yeah it was just basically they so what i think they did taryn is they they get the canoe from the staff shop meaning like it's it, it, when it comes in for refurbishment and then it, cause mm-hmm. they were sanding all the paint down and then they're repainting yeah, okay. it in there. And so they show you they basically just how they're doing
4: it, it. But Yeah. Right. They
0: re- yeah. So they have refinish it, it. So they, they sand it all down. They put a new coat of paint on it, make it look like birch mm-hmm. and, um, all these just painting techniques and knocking down the splatter and, you know, doing, uh, some shading and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that's it makes sense
4: once you're on these beautifully painted canoes you are given a quick lesson on paddling by one of the two cast members riding with you
0: which everyone soon quickly forgets wait i have to what
4: the (laughs) cast member on the in the front of the boat will provide details on best practices for paddling and they're the main force in pushing the canoe around the rivers of america the cast member in the back also provides much needed propulsion while also maintaining the steering of the vessel yes the guests the guest passengers are also very helpful in moving the boat forward. But let's be real. The two cast members are really doing most of the work.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. You can be helpful.
4: <laughs> can be. You, <laughs> you should be helpful. You literally do nothing, and that boat's still going to get around the river. So. Look,
0: I'm not going to lie. There's been points in my life, where I've been on that, where you just put it in the water, and then you just move it very <laughs> slight. You're not really digging in. Give it that turn. Yeah, you're like oh okay. It's, I'm just chilling. I'm tired, brother. Sorry, dude. And everyone's like
4: <gasps> Yeah. It's but- a tough ride, honestly. Uh the trip around the river takes about 12 minutes give or take, and it gives you a really unique perspective of the park. Yeah. And you might see the same things along the river that you would on the Mark Twain or the sailing ship Columbia, but in the canoes, you're on the water. Like yeah, you're you sea are, level, baby. You are sea level. Yeah. You're touching the water, you're getting wet, you get to see in slower motion, um, and much more up close the various details along the river. There's a small Native American scene that was kind of taken and animatronicized.
0: Yep. That's where all the Indians went.
4: That's where they went. They yeah, they got robots. turned
0: into robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: basically. Yeah. Um, you
0: don't want to work, I'll make you work 24 <laughs> yeah. 7.
4: There's also various animal animatronics. Um, including deer, elk, chipmunks, rabbits, birds. And these all help to set the scene that you are smack dab in the middle of the frontiers of America.
0: I think they're called animaltronics.
4: Animal, animaltronics. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Okay, thanks. Now, what I like most about this ride is the totally unique view of the park. And if you're like me and you have always fantasized about swimming in the rivers of America, then riding the canoes is the closest that you're ever going to get.
0: Yeah, without getting banned from the parks. Right.
4: Right. <laughs> And it's also a completely different adventure each time. Uh, Sometimes it's kind of calm and you sort of meander around the river. And like Jason said, you kind of just do a little bit of work. (laughs) But other times, and especially on busier days, you might end up racing another canoe. And that becomes a much more thrilling and exciting adventure. Now, speaking of racing the canoes, there is a longstanding cast member tradition attached to this attraction, the canoe races. Now, this competition started in 1963 as a challenge between the cast members who worked in Frontierland and the cast members who worked in Adventureland. Since then, however, the races have grown and become a more organized event. Today, the racing teams are made up of active and retired park workers, along with other employees from the Walt Disney Company. There are traditionally 8 to 10, I mean, sorry, 8 to 16 people per team, and approximately 1,300 Disney employees participate each year.
0: Wow. (laughs) It's a good portion of people.
4: It is. And in case you thought this was just fun and silly competition taking place on a single sunny afternoon, think again. To start, there are practices. Each team needs to practice, and this has to happen before the park is open to the public. Now, some teams do supplement practices off-site, but all teams must practice on the Rivers of America. And during the race season, practices are held Monday through Thursday from 5.30 to 7.30 a.m.
0: I got a real job. Sorry, dog. I mean, I don't. But if I did, I would I would say that.
4: Well, many of the participants end up going straight from practice to working at their various locations around the park. Sure. They're not going home. No. So this eight week competition begins the first week of June with the captain's meeting. And then during June and July, teams are required to be certified in steering. And this equates to about eight hours of practice time. As the eighth week of the competition approaches, teams gear up for the final races and the medal ceremony, recognizing three winning teams each year.
0: Here's the thing. Eight hours to be qualified in steering a canoe.
4: I think that's what they call the certification for canoeing.
0: It's because I've been whitewater rafting and literally maybe five minutes of here's how to hold the paddle. If you see a rock, lean one way or the other, we'll see you in camp. And then you're on your own. I can't. Eight hours of training just to, and just to paddle a canoe in an oval with no chop.
1: Is well, that maybe the, the term for like a cast member to be certified? Like you can now operate the ride?
4: No, because it's an actual canoeing term. Oh,
1: okay. But
4: it is right. to be certified in it, you just have to basically canoe for six hours
1: that's wild to me and
4: in order to be a participant in this race like they take it very seriously so it's like you're going to do that like it's it's a certification but like not really
0: i would imagine it's in this
4: race and not be certified i would
0: imagine it's more corporate than like than a safety thing you know it's like an insurance thing i would bet
4: maybe that's my thought yeah totally could be
0: because i mean honestly like i said class three friggin rapids like you know what i mean like Boats tacoing around around rocks in the middle of the water, and you're like, "I don't know what I'm doing right now. I have no yeah, idea." Yeah,
4: I feel like you should not have <laughs> yeah. done that.
0: It was my <laughs> boat didn't taco. We had saved people. It was fun good time
4: (laughs) um so the teams who this is really cool the teams who did make it to the final were allowed to bring their friends and family into disneyland before it opened to regular visitors to watch and cheer them on nice so that's cool so the teams are also encouraged to come up with fun names such as one team that was made up of guest relations employees who called themselves the plaid sticks after (laughs) their plaid costumes that they were that they had to wear
0: god all right
4: And what's so special about this competition is that the teams tend to regroup year after year. So even if positions or titles change, they still come together for this competition. For instance, the Plaid Sticks continued to compete for years after coming up with their team and the name, and even after many of them moved on to various other positions around the park or even retired. This competition allows the cast members to remain friends and spend several weeks catching up with each other. And many of the cast members think about these races as their most revered memories at the park, and it's really what makes this attraction so special.
0: I'm sort of surprised that they don't do it in the middle of the day, like have the finals or something like that. They gotta work.
4: People are employees.
0: <laughs> well, I know, but
4: uh, you know what I mean. Everybody
0: would gather around.
4: Thirteen hundred yeah. participants.
0: Well, but the finals, right, where you have like the last, you know. I think
4: whatever. that would make it a spectacle instead yeah. of a team-building, bonding, special experience. Okay. You know? I don't know, maybe. While those racers are trained to propel and steer the canoes in the correct and best possible way.
0: How about this? I'm going to interrupt you. How about this? Put it live on ESPN Plus to finals and have like announcers and have like have a thing about it that would be awesome
4: that would be cool
0: thank you go ahead please
4: uh while those racers are trained to propel and steer the canoes in the correct and best possible way guests are only taught briefly how to paddle before their journey begins and being a passenger in a boat that's so close to the water and with 19 potential strangers moving it forward for you what keeps the boat from toppling over or sinking completely
0: mostly unsinkable
4: mostly unsinkable exactly you caught that uh, to start each canoe contains an air ballast tank which is a compartment within the floating structure used to provide stability for a vessel control buoyancy and provide a more even load distribution now this air ballast is what makes the canoes mostly unsinkable now if you've ever been on the davy crockett explorer canoes you may know that sitting in the boat you are basically level with the water And there's, for me, there's a sheer amount of trust in physics that you have to surrender to. I don't like surrendering to physics because I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand how 2,000 pound boat can sit on the water and not sink. I don't get it. I don't understand how airplanes can fly, but I just trust that they do. Unfortunately, trust or not, even unsinkable boats, (coughs) Titanic, sometimes sink. In 1974, a cast member named Ken recalls a warm summer day when he was assigned to pilot the canoes. A large group of beefy guys were next in line. Wow! And as the 16, 200 plus pound men loaded the boat, the total weight in the canoe drove it almost to the gunnels, drove it down almost to the gunnels. This, the cast member recalls, was pretty unusual as the canoes normally carried a mix of weights. But knowing that the canoe had a built-in air ballast tanks um, so it would always float. He didn't see it as an issue. It turned out that these men, along with a second group of beefy men, were part of two Southern California canoe racing teams. Oh. The man. Channel Island Vans and the San Diego Vans. And these guys were serious. But after the cast members realized that these two teams were planning to race, instead of reprimanding or warning, they joined the fun. They said, let's do it. Why not? Unfortunately, Ken's team had a handicap because his fellow cast member, who was stationed at the front of the boat, who calls out the timing of the paddling and the steering, had just returned from sick leave with laryngitis. Now, this caused their team to not have the same coordination as their opponents, because they couldn't quite hear him, right? Laryngitis, messes with your throat, Mm -hmm. it's kind of loud out there on the river. Sure,
0: yeah.
4: So the timing of their paddling and steering just started rocking the boat a bit. And as the canoe approached the Mark Twain dock, the uncoordinated paddling and rocking caused it to start filling with water. And by the time they passed the dock, the boat had about six to eight inches of water in the canoe floor, along with sixteen pound men. Ken recalled steering the, the canoe towards Tom Sawyer's Island, yelling to the team that the canoe will not sink. Don't worry. But at that moment, the cast member with laryngitis stood up on the boat and instructed the guys to stay in the boat and just keep paddling. But since he couldn't be heard, they all instead followed his action, And stood up together at the same time, momentarily forcing the canoe down into the water. And the boat went straight down and then almost instantly back up because it can't really sink. Right. (laughs) It
0: can't sink for long.
4: Right. And, And this left the interior water level completely flush with the river. And at this point, everybody in the boat jumped out except for Ken. Even the cast member. Everybody's jumping out. They're all swimming to shore. <laughs> and as he recalls, uh, there I was, wet up to my shoulder, standing in a water-filled canoe with seventeen others around me in the river, river, swimming toward Tom Sawyer Island. Luckily for Ken and his coworker, the canoeing teams took the blame for the entire debacle, and the clubs were billed for something like twenty thousand dollars in damages. God, they they made a mess of this whole situation. <laughs> Whoa! But Ken and his coworker, they were questioned you know, by management. Sure. Like, w- w- what happened? But they didn't get fired or anything. They just, luckily, the, the canoeing clubs, that uh, it was us. <laughs> Later, in 1990, one of the canoes sank again. This time, the the cause is debated. Passengers on the canoe ride that day claimed that the ride operators were to blame by encouraging a race with another canoe on, the, on another boat and that their calls to just paddle faster caused the canoe to sink. If you've ever been on this ride, this happens all the time. There's, all, there, If it's an even slightly busy day, if this ride is open, there are two canoes on the river at the same time. And at some point during during your journey, you race another canoe. And it's really fun. That's not that weird. It might sound weird if you've never been on it, but that's not weird. Those ride operators were doing what they're told to do. There's nothing weird about that. Yeah. According to the ride operators, this particular canoe had several in hindsight too many heavy-set riders pushing mm. the weight limit of the boat. And there were several apparent apparently 20 somethings on the boat not listening to or adhering to the cast members instructions and warnings and purposefully rocking the boat and splashing. Now regardless of who was at fault The canoe ended up taking on too much water and eventually sinking into the eight foot deep rivers of America. (laughs) This caused the 15 passengers to swim to the edge and or be rescued by cast members, as some of them couldn't swim. Even though. (laughs) (laughs) Were they wearing vests? Not at that time. No, not in 1990. Uh, No one was injured in this incident. However, many of the guests were very upset at having lost broken having lost or broken jewelry, watches, and cameras. Now, there hasn't been a notable sinking incident since.
0: Well, there you go. So Mm. there you go. million days without an accident.
4: Exactly. (laughs) Um, Beyond these couple of mishaps, the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes are such a special attraction at Disneyland. And while they don't have a particularly rich Disney-centric history like some of the other rides, they do carry the spirit of the early park days. And they offer a totally different type of activity than can be found anywhere else in the park. So whether you go on the canoes to get a unique perspective of the park, to get a quick upper body workout, or to get inevitably splashed by the young child in front of you, I highly suggest experiencing this very unusual attraction, which, as simple as it is, does preserve the retro early day feeling that we're all so desperate to find at the parks. And this ride is almost entirely unchanged since it was first opened. And it offers a, as close to a trip back in time as you are ever going to get. So I suggest you do it. And that is the history of Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes.
1: There you go. Very good, Taryn.
0: Yeah, I love that ride. I think it's great.
4: I think it's a great ride. I used to hate
0: it. I used to think it was dumb. And then I did it. And I was like, wow, I actually really enjoy this.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I finally went on it for the first time last year. Yeah, it's cool. It's great. Tons of fun.
4: Yeah, Well, it's funny because I think it doesn't have a lot of documented history because it was from early on. Like I was trying to figure out why there's not a lot of like in every ride, you know who the manufacturer is, like what Imagineer. But like, I think that's the problem is there's not really any Imagineers attached to this ride. Yeah, it's not a ride. It's a it's it's an activity. Right. It's kind of different.
0: Well, yeah, I think it. I think that I think also it sounds like they were just friggin canoes off the shelf or like aero development had to invent a whole entire like thing. Right. So it's it it's uh, like for Matterhorn and such. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, there probably wasn't a whole lot going on because. They already had rivers, rivers of America with the boats and everything. So like, oh, we could put canoes. It's like it just kind of one of those plug and play afterthought things that just stuck around. But there is no plusing up. You don't need to do it. Maybe yeah. you change the designs on the canoe. But for the most part, you're just going in a friggin' oval.
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hate this saying, but it is what it is.
0: It is what it is, man. <laughs> like- yeah. Um, OK, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to figure out what Eric has been eating again. That friggin' guy. Yeah. Eat me out of house and home. you eat me out the house and home. Anyway, hang on one ears up. We'll be right back. Back to ears up where the opinions never stop ever. Speaking of uh, things that you don't need my opinion on the 21st amendment, You the know, 21st amendment.com right now, figure out where you can buy pretty much, The best craft beer going for you, and you know, you know, if you have a local craft brewery, definitely always support your local craft brewery as well. But if you're out traveling or you're, you know, you want to get a break or you want to support a really great craft brewery from wherever you are not, it's the Twenty First Amendment all day, every day. Their beers travel great, which is a big problem in the craft beer industry, to be honest with you. And uh, they taste amazing all the time. Can't can't complain about a two one a baby. You know what I'm trying to say. Especially right now, there's the uh, hell or high pomegranate out in the out in the world out in the wilderness. So go check that out if you're a big uh, pomegranate fan. I know after that big storm we just had, it's hard to think about a light and refreshing beer. But like the past couple of days here, been great, mm-hmm. sunny, and not really warm. It's freezing right now, but uh, this is when you want something like that. It's like I'm ready for spring, man. Let's go. The more the more spring feeling beer I can drink, maybe that will uh, rush the seasons forward.
4: Well, and I think it's interesting that you see it as a spring beer because I it is refreshing, but I definitely think of it as a wintry beer because because of the yeah yeah because mm. the pomegranate pomegranate to me is like a very holiday wintry. I could see that flavor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't really think of it as a spring beer. I'm just, I was just sort of trying oh. to think of something to say. Oh,
4: that's cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm glad. It could
4: be a spring beer. It,
0: um, it, it's a, it's a year round beer. Yeah, there you go. Year round favorite. Ryan goes, define freezing. Yeah, I understand. It doesn't snow in the Bay Area, but it's still freezing for us, okay? What do you want? What do you want from me? I'm in short. Give me a break. <laughs> okay, Eric.
1: <laughs> what are you eating? From- I. I'm eating at the Palm Breeze Bar at the Disneyland Hotel.
0: Nice. It looks Ooh. like your office, so I just I didn't know.
1: Oh, hang on. Wait, I can I can fix that. Um. <laughs> hey there, you hey, are. Hey, it's cool. the Palm oh. Breeze Bar. You really at are the there. Yeah, you're Hotel. literally on the bar. That's great. Yes. Yeah. The bartender Come and Pinch your
3: butt. He works there right. now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm behind it. Um. Yeah. Well, it, that the, looks pal- awesome. By the way, <laughs> it's, like it's the so the cool. oh,
0: I see the Millennium Falcon in the back on the wall. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, it's and a then, very so it's a huge Mary Blair style mural back there that has just attractions from around the park. Yeah. Um nods that's to everything.
0: Heat. That is very cool. I I I don't know why I'm like enamored with it so much, but it's the, good. Looks cool. The
1: colors are great. It's mid-century modern, which is really going over pretty well right now. Yeah, the TVs really scream mid-century modern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. But uh, the whole the this is underneath the, uh, the DVC tower, the new tower at the Disneyland hotel. Okay. Uh, so brand new stayed there the last time I was there in December. And essentially this is a glorified pool bar. So I will say that, but okay. it's a cool mid-century modern design pool bar. And right. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's open, but you can see there's a ceiling above it. If it's raining, you're you, there are places you could sit that are underneath cover, there are heat heaters around everywhere. And I was there like I, when I went to the bar, it was December 23rd and it was pretty chilly out. It was great in the bar. It felt fantastic in there. Uh, they've got plenty of tables with cool seating around everywhere. The, the bar itself is fairly large. It's kind of difficult to get to, uh, which I hmm. think helps keeps uh, the seats open. I never saw it more than half full and it's it's new, very new. It's only been there for a few months but it's rare
0: for something uh, that disney does especially at the parks at the resort disneyland right. resort to be empty like that
1: it's right so new right yeah you'd think it would it's just vloggers everywhere filming their food um i, I took plenty of pictures of my own food no no hate here
0: well look uh, man you know it's a, a that episode of black mirrors you have to participate in what everyone else is doing or they're going to downvote you or whatever uh,
1: i never saw that
0: but okay it's
1: like the best. It's only the only good episode they have. Okay. <laughs> Love the concept. Well, yeah. So the, the building, the actual DVC tower, it, you know how it used to be, you could kind of walk around the entire area, the entire pool area. They've kind of changed that. So if you walk in the front doors of the Disneyland hotel, you've got to walk to get to the, if you walk in, in, to the Disneyland hotel, you've got to walk to the DVC tower. It's a, it's a, decent way to go you've got to walk around the entire pool if you're coming in from from downtown disney which is probably where you two can reference this and where most people have been to the area are you walk in from downtown disney you take a left you pass trader sam's you take a right and you head straight toward this is where the new tower is uh you walk straight forward up into the new tower so it's It's not intuitive that there is a bar there unless somebody has told you you can't see it from Trader Sam's. You can't see it from the front lobby. It's kind of hidden. Okay. And it'll get its audience. And I've talked to people plenty of people who have been there. (laughs) Maybe not plenty. Some people who have been there already because they were looking for it.
4: It's in the DVC tower?
1: Yeah, what you do is you pass into the lobby of the DVC tower, and uh, which is, is great. Uh, I should show some pictures at some point about that or talk about the, ho- the new hotel tower. Uh, it's really well designed, very colorful, very different from the other <laughs> towers, but none of them are really the same at this point anyway. You walk through the lobby. Past the uh, DVC welcome home person who stands at a uh, podium and says, Welcome home to everybody, because that's what they do at DVC buildings. And then you walk back outside toward a pair of large wrought iron gates that are the gates to the pool area. Um,
0: I see. I'm looking at pictures now. Now I get it. Now I get it. Right, right, right. Okay.
1: And so you walk through there into, I'll change the picture just for reference. Um, I loaded up another one. This is where you kind of first enter in, well, Maybe it's a little past where you first enter in. You walk and in this image here. Sorry, listeners. This perspective would be I'm sitting at the bar with my back to the pool. Okay. And this is kind of the way it's laid out. There are seats around. There are kids running around going swimming. Not so much. But they should be walking, right not running, first um, of yeah, all. Very, yes, very unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> them.
4: And you don't have to be a member to go into this area?
1: No, absolutely not. You can just walk into the hotel, walk through, uh, if the pool's open, the bar's open and just, well, maybe the bar's not open first thing in the morning. I don't, I didn't check that. It's <laughs> open for lunch and it's, dinner.
0: It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. Eric, just, you're good.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't like to be wrong. No, that's all right. Uh, but, but yeah, you see there there are these large, interesting looking kind of pinkish planters with plants in them. There are, there are areas of, of low kind of shrubbery around Uh, just kind of scattered around the whole area it's really well designed there's a lot of natural uh, plant life going on you've got these floral designs above you it's simultaneously especially at night it's simultaneously bright with all the colors but kind of dark and cozy it's great yeah it looks cool it's like right off right off the pool that's what i didn't really
0: understand but it's like it's right there so that's cool
1: yeah yeah i I had no idea it was a pool bar until they went there and went, oh, now I get where it is. Same yeah. thing. What do they got there? What's good there? What is good there? They've got quite a bit. It's, uh, it's a little pricey. If you like, we can play the price game. Um, <laughs> oh, I already looked at the menu. Oh, okay. To, maybe
0: Taryn wants to play the price game.
1: Okay. So appetizers are called shareables, of course. Of course. And feed multiple people, how much would you pay for multiple people? Define multiple people with some of this stuff. I I I don't know. it's a full meal. I've seen some of these. I didn't get any of the the shareables. Cheese fry poutine. And I'm sorry, RGH, it's it's still a poutine. Okay. We've had arguments about poutine in the past.
0: What's to argue about?
4: Yeah.
1: He does it's the Ralph Brennan's poutine, which will be in a few episodes. Oh, okay. All
4: right. How much would that be? I would say twelve dollars. 19 <laughs> and that's wow. the cheapest. Wow. Yeah. The most wow. expensive
1: there's a there's a fish like a fish platter of market fish, shrimp and crab that's 29. There's also an ahi tuna that is 29. They looked great. Uh, Dang. But yeah, it it's it's a pricey establishment. Mm-hmm. Salads. There are basically two salads, an heirloom beet salad and a southwest salad. Um I loved the beet salad. That's what I had for dinner that sounds the, good. the night that I was there. And you can get Salmon, flat iron steak or chicken breast on either of them.
0: These people are trying to say a grilled prime (laughs) flat iron steak on a
1: Southwest salad is 38 friggin dollars. Consider that the salad is 22, sir.
4: Jeez. Right. (laughs) For a salad? Yeah.
0: So you're adding a flat iron steak for math. What is it? 15 bucks more? Fifty, God, What are you doing? What are you guys doing here? Bro? Dang!
1: Yeah, uh, they've got a few plant-based options of other things that are on the menu. Only like, here's no, what not I a few. Don't There's two.
0: They have a, a a jumbo lump crab roll sandwich for twenty-nine dollars. It's enormous. A Southwest salad for six dollars less. Like the the that's the this is the thing I always want to complain about with prices at Disneyland. It's like they they don't make any sense. Yeah, they price one thing here and then everything else is just Above and beyond, it just there's no there's no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah, like that should not be a six dollar difference between a lobster or crab sandwich, essentially, and a salad. That is insane.
1: The crab roll is is enormous and is one of the most expensive things on the menu, other than a salad with a steak on it. The burger is twenty six. Chicken sandwich. What do you think, Taryn?
4: Chicken sandwich. Spicy. Spicy chicken And crisp. Does, Does it come with fries? Yes. Okay. And aioli. Um, given given what we've heard so far, I'm gonna go and I I can't imagine paying this, but I'm gonna say twenty four dollars. Mm,
1: pretty darn close, twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Although by the time we go, it'll be thirty nine. Yeah,
4: I know
3: <laughs> exactly. It,
1: there's potential for that. Yes, they have two of the two of the same pizzas that they have over at the Hearthstone that are it's the charcuterie pizza, which is great, and the four cheese pizza, which is also pretty good. Twenty four and twenty one. I'm gonna skip
0: down to the uh, cocktails. The cocktails, because yeah. these People are trying to charge twenty bucks for a margarita,
1: and that pisses me off. Uh, eighteen dollars for a gin and tonic? Are you kidding me? And these are the regular ones. These are the regular drinks. Go down to stirred and strong on I the mean, menu. I guess
0: like for the gin and tonic, it's like elderflower liqueur, black pepper, rosemary syrup. I mean, lemon juice, elderflower I mean, tonic. Like fancy... it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds yeah. fancy, but eighteen bucks. Be considering you get a Manhattan at carthay for just about that without all the extra fluff so this is again what i'm talking about with pricing what what means anything anymore (laughs) it doesn't mean like you look at this price and you go 18 bucks okay there's a lot going on it's a craft cocktail but the manhattan is friggin bullet and vermouth like it's nothing it's nothing (laughs) and it's that much money also it doesn't make any
1: sense bullet is cheap as hell it's not even the best vermouth no (laughs) (laughs) it's probably like what is it dolan or
0: i have no idea honestly um but what i do like down they have you know in the beer uh they have a lot of local beer which is great and then they have a non-alcoholic mexican lager from rationale which i love Mm -hmm. i think that's great i've been railing about that forever every place every bar every restaurant should have at least one non-alcoholic good non-alcoholic option yeah they've been better
1: at that for about a year now
0: i think that's great what pisses me off is that it's $11. It's the same price wow. as the beers.
4: Yeah, that, that's wild. Yeah,
0: that is insane. Is that the case me.
4: at the grocery store? Yeah, Are yes, they about the same? They're about the as, same. As Actually, a they're a
0: little bit more expensive, well, which, then, make, which upsets me.
4: Well, yeah, that, I guess I could see that being upsetting, but then you're upset at, at the industry, not at Disney at that point, right? Because if they're oh. doing the same thing.
0: No, I'm not. Well, I don't care.
1: Okay. If you want to be upset at, uh, at Disney, try a Modelo. For $12. <laughs> oh
4: my gosh, really?
1: <laughs> the thing that, that killed me about that, and we, we talked about this in the Discord when I was there that night. I, after I finished dinner, I, I thought, well, maybe I can get into Sam's, have a, a drink, and go back and go to bed. And Sam's was hopping. So I decided yeah. to walk across the street to the, uh, the Grand Californian and go to Hearthstone Lounge, where a Modelo was $10 oh wow i didn't get it but just i was a, just charmed. a two dollar
0: difference on the same property
1: yeah it's across the street it's
0: Friggin' insane man these people i swear to god i would love to talk to their beverage like director or whatever because right? it doesn't i just don't get it unless they're doing oh they got them on stair in the back um unless they're doing it on purpose where it's like we're gonna we're gonna collectively price things differently here based on where you are and then Twenty it's, yards away, it's a little different because it has more ac- I don't know. It's, weird.
1: it's it's gotta be it's gotta be the vibe. It's it's hanging out at a cool place by a pool and mm-hmm. hot day, great. See, so big night. Nothing, great.
0: nothing is cool. Nothing is cool enough to pay for it like that. It's just not. I'm not gonna do it. But that's I mean, it looks like a cool place. And um, you know, if I uh if I was hungry by the pool, I would I would probably get the cheapest thing there and some water.
4: And you did say that the portions were were big.
1: It, yeah, I did not finish that salad and oh. the 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 appetizers were very big, definitely. Taren's surprised at you? Oh,
4: I mean, if you if you <laughs> oh. didn't finish a salad, it must be either terrible or a really big salad.
1: Oh, it was a it was a great salad, and I that I, is cool.
0: I yeah. will I will tone down my rhetoric a little bit about this place then, because if they give you so much food and a salad, which they really should,
1: because salad's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, look look up a picture that. of that lobster roll. It it is not. I can't imagine eating that thing myself.
4: I did look at it, and um, I could. Is it big? But um, yeah, it's big.
1: <laughs> okay. Could I? Yeah. All right.
0: Well, fine. It, looks,
4: it honestly looks great. That that the roll looks so soft, and
0: mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you like the roll more than the crab.
4: No, I like crab a lot.
0: I know, but you like rolls, like but soft roll. You got a soft I do, like for soft, I do have
4: a thing for soft rolls. <laughs> All
0: right, Eric. Is that what you're eating? That that's what I was eating. Nice. I love it, dude. Sounds great. So everyone, go there. Meet Eric at the bar. Yeah, I like it. Someday, I there. someday. Yeah, we could have our meet up there one day. Just invade DVC Tower.
4: But we're not paying.
0: But we're not paying. <laughs> no, the doctor will pay. I because like you it. fainted, or no, no, because you uh, you're you're buying. I don't know. Oh, I'm the doctor. Oh, I don't oh, know. Okay, whatever.
1: Where is that degree?
0: Um, I. <laughs> when you turn your head, the uh, the 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 poster behind you. Oh, of the head, the maelstrom
1: like, poster, just the head. pops Focus up. is on. It is just a head. Yeah, yeah.
0: but oh, but yeah. it's just that. Nothing else around it pops up when you turn oh. your. Because it's looking for a face. <laughs>
1: it's looking for a face. So if you don't have it. a
0: face, yeah. Anyway, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> um Let me th- try to think. I think that is it. Yeah, I think Good that's stuff. it. All right, I think I covered everything we had to cover. I'm wearing the Chapext uh, shirt, everybody. So you can check that out on YouTube if you want to check it out. It's- big. It's nice. Comfortable. Looks good. I can't wait to wear this in public and have people go, eh? What is that? <laughs> um, you can <laughs> check that out on our Etsy page. Alright, everybody. That's it. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to Rob for joining us for a little bit of Star Wars news. You can check out more Star Wars geek and dork information over on Bantha Milk Podcast. Of course, part of the Ears Up Network of Family of podcasts Alright. Yeah. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. And until uh, next time, I'll see you later. Oh, should we talk about Jeremy real fast? let talk about Jeremy real fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in case uh, you haven't listened to the last In-Depth, Jeremy is retiring from In-Depth. Next week will be his last In-Depth show ever. Yeah. He just, uh, he hit me with that last week right before we go on the, the, the air. And Taryn <laughs> it's knows- so Jeremy-like. Taryn knows exactly how much I really love uh, having to think about stuff before I, before I do this job. It makes it so much easier. <laughs> Um, but I knew it was coming for a while and he basically was just like, look, I'm just too tired. I have so much work to do. I'm traveling more than ever now. Um, cause he reminded me, we started in like 2019 and then lockdown happened and we sort of just like got in this like rhythm. And, uh, he was telling me even before he started traveling again for work, he said, there's going to come a time when, uh. I can't do this anymore because of mm-hmm. travel and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And we fought about it for a little bit. And then uh, eventually he was like, he called it and he goes, okay, I, I, I can't do it anymore. Um, I'm just, I'm too busy. Uh, my, the love that I have for the parks is sort of gone too. And I, 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 I know that comes through and I don't want it to anymore. And cause he was like, I went to Epcot the other night. I was there for three hours. I left He goes, I hated it. I, I had the worst time. And I don't want to do that. I don't want that to come across anymore. And I said, "Okay, that's fair, man. That's totally fair." So uh, that'll be his last show. I'm going to try to find some clips. Do maybe do a little best of send off for Jeremy. I'll be fine. Um, but you know, of course, we'll talk about news. There's a lot of good news. A lot of good Jeremy rant news. I think in the <laughs> in the uh, in the news cycle today or this week. Got to get we'll one last for good next rant week. out of him. Yeah. Well, the biggest one I think I'll cover next week is that there was a. Uh, Forbes article that came out that said that there the, was like a list of top under overrated uh, CEOs. Number one was Elon Musk. Number two, Bob Iger.
3: Oh, gosh. And it's voted that. on
0: by like a hundred other business people. So it's like a, a group of peers. Ooh. Yeah, Ouch. and it's like but then he just announced that there was their part, Disney's partnering with Fortnite or some garbage like that and their stock burst. It, oh, I bet. It, I mean, it's at 110 bucks right now it i mean the line you can tell when the when the announcement happened it was yesterday at four o'clock and went burns Dang. big wall uh hopefully it can uh sustain but uh i like that it took disney doing something with the makers of fortnite to actually yeah. for people to care
1: there are a lot of teenage twitch streamers that are very very wealthy because of their their product that are are going yeah. to uh they're going to be the ones trying to take over the board of directors next
0: Honestly, they should. Oh, speaking of board directors, I um I reached out to Nelson Peltz's people to get an interview. Oh, I haven't heard back, but we'll see.
4: That'd be fun. That'd I be know. Wild. I know. I'd love that.
0: Yeah, me too. All right, that's it. So, uh, <clears throat> next uh, next in depth, if you want to catch it live, and you can say goodbye to Jeremy. You know what? Maybe I'll have a call in. Maybe I'll leave the phones Ooh. open. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be fun. Or if you want to leave a, a voicemail, I don't know if you want. It's on our website. You can do that too. And, or send me an email. I'll read him a message. Whatever. You want. I got a well, voicemail today. He's
4: not completely leaving the network, right? Like he'll, he's not completely
0: he'll, leaving the network. No, he'll still we'll do his again. spectro. Yeah, he want. And that was the other thing is that uh, he let me turn the sound off. Um, mm-hmm. He wants to do more spectro radio or spectro time segments. I want that too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's like, I yeah. just I can't. He goes, I can't do everything. So um, hopefully this will afford him more time to do that. So he can be way more selective about when he comes on, and it's a whole thing. And so
4: the topic. He can pick things that he enjoys talking about.
0: Yeah. So as far as the future of in depth, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'll probably do the next one by myself. I don't know. We'll see. And I might just not do it. I might just stop doing it. Um, because um, I mean, it is it is a lot of work and whatever. And then if I think about it and I want to like re revisit it, uh, I'll probably just split it out into its own feed, which I should have done in the first place. And that's sort of problematic with like some of the reviews we've gotten were were uh, like the negative reviews which whatever who cares were based on that show because it's all news and opinion driven right um and so it's sort of like you know messes with everything but uh, yeah so i don't know we'll see things are up in the air right now and uh, but you know everything's fine i'm okay with it that's good yeah all right okay we're getting out of here now
4: all right right. Let's. okay
0: see. thanks everybody for tuning in Till next time we will see you in the parks